Welcome back. This is the soft cap. Well, the NFL season's upon us. We are at the tail end of the preseason. I think everybody agrees that the preseason should really only be about two weeks. You got one game to see who's going to make the team. Really, you got one and a half games to make see who makes the team. And then half of a game to get your starters some reps if you want. But overall, like it's just dragging now, right? The first weekend was sensational. We were all like, oh, my God, it's football time. I can't fucking wait. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then fucking the second week came, and everybody's like, all right, this is a uh, – all right. And now it's the third week, and I can't handle it. <laughs> it's like fucking terrible football. I mean, it's not terrible football. The worst preseason football is better than any other football available. It's better than college football. It's better than the USFL. It's literally better than everything. Last night, the Falcons game, it was like 18-16. to 16. It was a tight game going into the end. The Giants... It was just like a it was a wild game. Desmond Ritter, like I said, Desmond Ritter's probably gonna be the best quarterback out of this draft. I really believe it. He's more athletic than pretty much everybody, aside from maybe Malik Willis, but even him, I, I bet he's probably faster than Malik Willis and he's taller. He's not as strong and I mean Malik Willis is probably a, is a gifted ball carrier. Desmond's not as much a gifted ball carrier. I'm just saying he's got really good movement speed, similar to like a guy like Josh Allen. Hell, he's probably faster than Josh Allen. He's fast. He ran a 4-4 flat. I was like, holy fuck. And he's like 6-5. <laughs> you know, it's fast. And he's got a really nice arm. He throws some nice balls. I, I, I'd like him. I like him. He took a team in Cincinnati to the playoffs, which is rare. And everyone's like, wow, they got their asses kicked. He's like, yeah, but they also beat the shit out of Notre Dame. Like, they're he's a good quarterback. And he, he dropped, you know, because he played at Cincinnati. Although that's not really an excuse anymore because Josh Allen played at, like, Wyoming or – North Dakota or some shit. I don't know. One of those small schools. Him and Carson Wentz both went to small schools. Trey Lance went to a small school. There, you know, J- Jordan Love. There's tons of guys in the league. To play quarterback, most of them are not at some crazy big school. I mean, Derek Carr played at Fresno, I think. It's just rare. Most of these guys come from schools you're like, what? No. It's getting less of that now because now with NIL, schools can pay these kids, but it's hard to tell who's going to be a good quarterback when they're in high school. It's really hard to tell who's going to be a good quarterback in high school. I don't know how many kids have come out and in and, and college just didn't even cut it in college. You know, you just don't know how they're going to develop, how their mind's going to develop, and where their passion's going to be. If you're not like watching football all the time, footage of it and stuff, you're probably not going to succeed as a quarterback. It would be very difficult. Unless you're just, like, absurdly gifted, which, you know, sometimes happens. Overall, the preseason's been pretty sweet. I, I, I dig it. I'm just over it. Now it's time for some real football. The big conversation right now, though, and, and I said it, after that Steelers game, everyone's like, who should start? And the general consensus of all the players is, well, if you start Kenny Pickett and he's not any good and then you have to go to Trubisky, he's ruined. And I'm like, okay, all right. But my argument to that would be, let's say you start Trubisky, and he's terrible. If the other thing that we said is true, it's still going to be true. Then you're going to put him in, and he's going to be trash, and then it'll be over for him. Like It doesn't matter when, when he's going to be bad if he's going to be bad. It doesn't matter. He'll be bad. 
that that's the stupidest thing. Like Ryan Clark was on TV today. You just start Trubisky, and then when he mitches it up, you know, then you put in this guy. Because if you start this guy, if you start Pickett, and he's bad, then you got to put in Trubisky, and it's over for him. And it's like, I mean, if you start Trubisky and he's bad and you put in Kenny and he's bad, just like the other scenario, then it's over for him. He's already 24 years old. You got very little time. They've got loaded wide receivers. They've got a decent defense. They've got some stars all over the place. I mean, they arguably have the best pass rusher in the NFL. And nobody talks about T.J. Watt. I mean, he is just like, he flies so far under the radar and leads the league in pass rushing and shit. He's like um, that dude for the Angels, Mike Trout. It's like he's the best baseball player. Nobody talks about him. T.J. Watt's probably the best pass rusher. Nobody talks about him. He's not like a fantastic stature like a guy like Miles Garrett or even you know some of these newer guys like Kayvon Thibodeau, the Bosa brothers. These guys are like physically huge. And T.J. Watt's smaller, and he had a brother that you know is a Hall of Famer. I hate J.J. Watt. Not 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 his play. He was a great player. I just don't like him. <laughs> he seems like a fake. But he's probably not. He's probably like a sweet dude, and I'm just a dick. I have no idea. I've never met him. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. I just don't like people that seem like they seem too good to be true. It's like, eh, I don't believe it. All that being said, though, J.J. Watt could play anywhere on the defensive line whenever he wanted. He was 300 pounds, and he was a pass rusher. He was unbelievable. He got hurt. T.J. Watt is way smaller, way faster. It's a different it's a different game, different style of play. They're totally different. But T.J. just flies way under the radar because of his brother and how physically impressive some of these other pass rushers in the league are. I think the Steelers are set up. I mean, the Browns are going to be bad this year. I think the Bengals are probably going to be pretty bad this year. I mean, not like terrible like they were, but I think there's going to be a regression. I know they got a better offensive line. But their defense is not very good. They still have one wide receiver, which everybody's going to be doubling this year. And they've got – I'm just not – I don't know. I imagine Joe Mixon will fall off pretty soon. I don't know about I – don't, I don't know. I just always – I believe in the regression. When you look at the analytics, the team that loses the Super Bowl, they just struggle after that. It's hard because you're trying to get better, but you don't know how. It's like we made it to the Super Bowl, and they weren't very good. You would think they could get better in a lot of different ways, but I just didn't see it in the draft. I don't I don't know. And Joe Burrow hasn't been there in training camp. I don't see how they're going to be better this year when Joe Burrow really hasn't been able to play because he had an appendectomy. It's like, oh, my God, something else for this dude. Lamar Jackson's going to go off the fucking chain this year because he didn't get his contract. You've seen it year after year. I mean, that's what Joe Flacco won the Super Bowl when he didn't have a contract, and he wanted to get re-signed. So he's like, fuck it, I'll go out there and play, and I'll show you guys. And he won the Super Bowl, and they had to pay him an ungodly amount of money. And, he, you know, that's what these guys do. Everyone's like, what if he goes out and gets hurt? It's like, well, then fuck it, he goes out and gets hurt. But the reality is, most of the time, when these guys go out to play on their contracts, they ball the fuck out. They know. Speaking of which, I think Amari Cooper's probably going to have his, like, Randy Moss on the Raiders year. Like, he's just going to mail it in. <laughs> and they don't have a quarterback. I I don't even know what Jacoby Brissett looks like at quarterback for the Browns. I have no idea. Josh Dobbs looked okay, but I know he can't play against pros. I mean, he was get he can't play against the pros. He was playing against the backups, and he looked. Eh. Jacoby Brissett, man. 
I haven't seen him play. How how could they? I mean, I know I know that he's not Matt Stafford. I know there's a lot of guys that are like, well, a lot of guys aren't playing. It's like, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is playing in the preseason. He's playing, and everybody out there that are like, well, they've got a backup. No, they don't. If Patrick Mahomes gets hurt, Mahomes, their season's over. Chad Henney is not taking him to the playoffs, and they're out there playing. So what are you protecting him for? Get him out there. You look at the best players in the league, and you emulate what they're doing. And then you take what they're doing, and you twist it a little bit more, and you grind a little bit harder. What can I do to be better than that person? But not playing in the preseason when guys like Pat Mahomes are and Josh Allen are, like, get your ass out there. Sorry. The best players in the league are playing. Get out there. I don't care what the Rams say. Here's something else. There's a lot of people that talk about the preseason record, and they get, a lot of people get excited about their teams. You see your guys out there, and you, you look, and you're like, man, we're 4-0. The score doesn't matter at all. I'm only looking at what the what the scheme, what the players, what the coaching, what the organization, and when I mean organization, I mean like the organization of the players out there. Like, how organized are you? I look at all that stuff in the preseason. The score is irrelevant because the players, it's like they're in and out, they're in and out. You don't know who's playing. It doesn't matter. And so when you're 4-0, I just want to remind everybody, like the Lions were 4-0 when they went 0-16. The Browns were like 4-0 for five years straight when they won two games in 60-some games. So don't get high on the record. Watch the game. And if your team looks good, you're like, oh, yeah, that looks good. Then then they start experimenting. Usually you'll tell in the first half. And in the second half, you'll know how good your coaches are based on how organized your team is. But don't look at the score because the score will get you excited about a team that is trash because they're trying to win because they're trash and they're trying to get their fucking vibe going in their locker room, which that's the only thing it does is creates morale. But that morale goes away real quick when you start the season 0-2, 0-3. The preseason does not re- turn into wins. It turns into like vibe in your locker room during the training camp. Trust me, training camp's a lot more fun when you win your preseason games. It's a lot less fun when you lose them because the coaches can look can point that out in, in, in the training camps. This is why we lost. And it's like, no, it isn't. <laughs> we lost because... You know, Bobby, you know, Bobby over here that's a goddamn furniture mover is our goddamn left tackle, you know, for for this week. (laughs) And then we're cutting him because we've got 80 people on the roster and there's only 53 of us that are going to play in the season that even make the team. And so it's just crazy. Most people don't realize how many people are on a roster, how many people you're seeing in the preseason that you'll never see again. Tons, tons and tons. And it's still better than the USFL. <laughs> it's still better. One of the big stories this week was Tom Brady being gone for like two weeks from training camp. He just left and he went on a family trip to the Bahamas. But nobody knew in the public what he was doing. Even people were like, I hope he's okay on TV and all this shit. And he was just like chilling with his family in, in the Bahamas. The, the Bucks are in, in big trouble. And Tom Brady and, mo- and everybody, everybody, I mean, Skip to Shannon to Colin to fucking everybody on ESPN, all of them, Adam Scheffler, everybody, unanimously agree that it doesn't matter that Tom Brady's not there. They're like, oh, he doesn't need the practice. And it's like, no, he doesn't. 
but you're all missing the bigger picture is that he doesn't care anymore. Like, I'm sorry, Tom. If you're like, I gotta go, I'm gonna go chill with my family, like you're you're clearly the obsession has faded. Like, why are you even coming back? You you left in the middle of training camp, like you're telling me you guys couldn't have fit this trip in like a like a month beforehand? Like you're clearly you you're out. This season's gonna be rough. I really it's gonna be interesting. I wonder the more as this is this season's kind of developed and this training camp's developed and all with all the injuries to the Buccaneers, I'm starting to wonder like how long before Tom Brady goes out like Peyton Manning's last year, where it's just bad. I mean, if they if they're if they go fucking eight and nine this year and he's just like checks out or some shit, something weird, you know, their wideouts are bad, their offensive line's bad, I don't know. I don't fucking know. I've never been a huge Mike Evans fan. Chris Godwin's hurt. Julio Jones is, you know, <laughs> old and hurt. I don't know, man. It's going to be bad, I think. And Tom's old as fuck. Sometimes you I mean, I don't know. Like, can somebody just miss at his age just not be in, like, training for two weeks right before the season starts? Can he just do that now? People think mentally he can. Sure. He can. He doesn't need the reps mentally. But come on, he's 45 years old. You're telling me he doesn't need the reps physically? Guys like Baker Mayfield are tearing their labrum throwing the ball. And I get it. He's all about pliability and all this shit. And it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But when meat gets old, it gets tough and breaks. (laughs) You know, it's like, I don't know. That does worry me a bit. Everybody thinks this big story with Dana White, they, they had this story where Dana White said that Tom Brady and Gronk were going to go to Las Vegas, but they didn't. It's like, eh, that's not a story. It's just people talking shit. We're getting our first week off from UFC in a while, pretty much since all all summer. So that's been kind of crazy. But when we come back on September 3rd, we've got a heavyweight main event, which I'm actually really excited about. It's going to be the Cyril Gaon tied to Avasa fight. I'm still not in on Ty yet. He, I'm just never in on people that don't, I, I feel like could be better physical shape. Like I get it. I, I love Derek Lewis and Derek's a big heavy guy, but I feel like he's in good shape, even though he is oversized. Ty has some like softness to him that I don't love. Cyril gone. This is a big fight for him. That last fight was kind of a bummer for him, and you could tell it phys- like mentally broke him quite a bit when he lost to Francis. And so it's going to be tough. He needs to get a he needs to get a dub and get back on, into the talk, into the conversation, because there's a lot of people talking like, well, you know, Stipe and John Jones are going to fight for the title. I don't know if Francis is ever going to fight in the UFC again. I can tell you with 100% certainty he doesn't like fighting. He, he can't box, by the way. I know everyone's like, well, we'll go to boxing. It's like, yeah, he can go there and lose once, but that'll be it. He can't box. He's not a boxer. He is a, a fighter in the MMA. Maybe he goes to one of these other promotions because they'll offer him a bunch of money, but his legacy will be ruined because the best fighters in the world are in UFC, and everybody knows it. He needs to defend his title against some of these other guys again. He needs to fight Stipe. He needs to fight John Jones, and he needs to fight Cyril Gaon again. And then he'd go down as, you know, one of the great heavyweights, easily. Robert Whitaker and Marvin Vittori are fighting. 
That'll be a banger. That'll be a real banger. Hopefully Robert wins. I think Robert has he's got all the skill. I just don't know what to do with either of these guys. They've both had their chance to win the title multiple times now, I think. I know Robert's had two shots. I'm pretty sure Marvin's had two shots. It's just kind of like, I mean, yeah, you guys can fight each other, but I'm, I don't know. Like, you guys have had your chances. But you're entertaining. But, you are you know, you put on good fights. I just don't know what you do with you, what to do with you now. Because in both of those fights, it was, cl- like, super one-sided. You didn't get, a, you know, in a close fight, you're like, all right, let's have him do it again. You know, same with like Brandon Moreno and Figueredo. We want to keep seeing it because it's so close every time. Robert and Marvin never even got close to Izzy, and it just didn't ever feel like they will. There's some good prelims. We'll talk about that as the as the fights come up. My favorite undercard fighter. I mean, he he's become my favorite. I think his name's uh, Ben. Uh, I want to say Benoit, but I on TV they say Benoit Saint Denis. He's a uh, He's fucking badass, is what he is. He is the real deal. He's 9-1 with one no contest. He's going up against Christos Giagos. It's going to be sick, dude. Sandini is my favorite uh, undercard fighter currently. He is a fucking mauler. So that'll be on September 3rd. Getting pretty pumped. Oh, yeah, and Ricardo Ramos is on the fight. I really like him as well. So we got a couple nice prelims. We got a really nice uh, main event with a cool co-main. And then, obviously, that'll lead us into USC 279, which is, is really, I mean, this is this is, <laughs> this is is shaping up to be a fucking nutty night. Nate Diaz, Hamjat Chemaev, it's going to be fucking nuts. <laughs> I don't know what to think of it all yet. They, got, they even got uh, Jake Collier and Chris Barnett on this card, those two big motherfuckers at heavyweight. It's going to be nuts. Jamie Pickett's fighting in the co-main, and then they got a light heavyweight with John uh, Walker and that Kutabala, Kutalaba. He's a high-energy, you know, swing-for-the-fences kind of guy. Looking at a night of of some one-sided murdering murder fests, I think. It <laughs> should be crazy. We're not going to get too far into it. We'll talk about these as they keep kind of rolling in. Two, 279, I think, is September 10th, so we're a little ways away from that. But I did want to just point out I'm, I'm getting more and more excited. It is kind of nice to have a week off from UFC just to kind of take in last weekend. I, I thought last weekend was the pinnacle of the summer. And when you look back at all the events, there's been some really great events. I thought last night or uh, last weekend with the Usman losing and the Paulo Costa, Luke Rockhold fight, I just thought it was really the, the climax of the summer. And now we're going into the fall UFC, I don't know if people know this, but their heyday is the summer, August, July, August, when there's nothing else on. They, they put it on, man. That's like their big time, big time shit. And so as we go into the fall and winter, they st- obviously still keep going, but um, they really take advantage of the summer like nobody else. And so kind of going, they understand they're competing with the NFL. They're competing with all these other, you know, all these other companies, all these other sports companies. Once the NBA and the NFL and the NHL, NHL are all going full speed, that's a lot of eyes getting pulled in different directions. And so the UFC, you know, last weekend was kind of the was the climax, so to speak, the Super Bowl. You guys, if you watched it, you watched history. I mean, Kamaru Usman was on a streak that is unheard of. And he got knocked out in the fifth round with like 40 seconds left. Fucking insane. It's been a great 
Summer of Fights. Formula One summer break is finally over. We finally have a race this weekend. It's going to be at Spa. And there's a regulation change starting this weekend. Christian Horner doesn't seem to think this is going to have an effect on his car. It will. It's going to have an effect on anybody's car that was doing this. There's been a few teams, Ferrari and Red Bull, that kind of took advantage of this interpretation of this rule where the bottom floor of the car, the way it was mounted, I don't know, they were basically using it as as a cushion. So it would would use the ground as a cushioning effect to stop the porpoising. They're not going to allow this anymore. Mercedes has already not been doing this, and Ferrari and Red Bull were, so they've kind of changed the way it was worded, and now they can't do it either. Of course, Red Bull and Ferrari are like, oh, it won't affect us. It's going to. (laughs) It's why you guys have been faster, which is fine. Here's what I'll warn everybody about. Mercedes was catching up anyway before this regulation went in. The last four or five races, they've, they've been like one, two, two, three, they're going faster, buddy. And with this rule, with a little slight change, I think we might be in for a Mercedes second half of the season. I know that sounds crazy with how bad they were at the beginning of the season, but that's what summer break's for. Like, they were getting fast going into summer break. Then they were able to kind of, now they can fine-tune it again, come back with some upgrades, and this regulation change, they're going to be blazing. Lewis Hamilton's going to be blazing. It might be too late in the season. The gap is really big. But you never know. Anybody that's out there counting out Lewis Hamilton, just don't. That's like counting out Tom Brady. It really is. They have, like, the same amount of rings. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's that big of a deal. George Russell, he's been driving really well. Really well. And here's the other warning I'll have about Spa. I would argue that Spa is probably Charles Leclerc's best track when I watch him drive there. He's most confident on that track for some reason. I don't know why. He's really confident. I believe he's had some problems before. Nothing like uh, Monaco or something, you know, but he's just he's just really efficient there. I'm pretty, I know he's won there at least once. He's really good. And they've been talking about taking Spa off of the – calendar for next year which just seems crazy to me spa is like one of the legendary racetracks i don't know how you could have a season without it seems really odd to me It'd be like i don't know tearing down wrigley field or something I, like i don't i don't know i don't get it it seems very odd no spa like why why would you want to do that i mean i'm sure it's all related to money right it's always with F, with formula one if you're a big formula one fan there's a lot of new American Formula One fans that have no concept of like the actual business of Formula One and how fucked up it really is. Like, like, like it's like FIFA fucked up. If any, if any of you soccer fans out there that are like, or football fan, whatever you want to call it, uh, FIFA has been known as being like a mafia, right? Like a goddamn criminal enterprise. So is Formula One. At different times, the director of F1 has looked like a mafia boss. You know, wears sunglasses and suits and just looks like a fucking, you know, lunatic Italian. Now it's like an Arab guy who, you know, it all just seems to fit right in with modern day criminal enterprise. Like, it's just, it's fucking nuts, man. And then you got these, you know, these drivers like Sebastian Vettel, who is retiring. And you've got a guy like Lewis Hamilton. They're like pro-earthers and they're pro, like, 
humanitarian stuff and it's like you guys are in the dirtiest business since boxing (laughs) you know it is crazy formula one is fucked up i love it but the money involved and where it's coming from and where it's going and why they're in certain places i mean these fucking guys are racing in like war zones (laughs) but people want to bitch about like some of the crazy shit i see in sports is like and, and the things that they're supporting is like, listen, Formula One is like racing next to a fucking in a Middle Eastern country where bombs are being dropped like 10 miles away. Like they don't give a fuck. It's all about the dollars. You start talking about the live golfers. That's a good example, right? Live golfers. Everyone's mad about the live. They're taking Saudi blood money. And it's like, dude, the Formula One drivers over here are racing next to fucking bombs being dropped. <laughs> it's like a whole nother world. They don't give a fuck. Lewis Hamilton comes out, you know, as Sir Lewis Hamilton, but it's like, dude, you're with everybody else over there. You're just one of the drivers. Love the sport. It's just funny to me, the kind of hypocrisy behind it all. Some of the talk of the summer break has been, obviously, uh, Fernando Alonso. He just kind of dropped his team and went to another team. He doesn't give a shit, man. He will do whatever is best for him. He does not care. He does not care. He he is always in his own corner, and he's not looking out for these teams. And that's how all these drivers should be. These teams, like if I were Charles Leclerc, I would I would realize right now that I'm more valuable than Ferrari in the world of Formula One. In racing right now, I'm more valuable. Alonso realizes it as soon as he realizes it. He's out of there. Like I don't want to be the most valuable part of a Formula One team. I want the team to make the best car. And it's like the most valuable part of a team is the car, not the driver. And so for, you know, Alonzo, he knows this. He's like, this car sucks, and I'm the best thing here. Like, that's no good. I can't be the best thing here because we can't win. Because in in reality, here's the, the, the final straw. These guys are drivers, not, not track stars. They're not running. They're driving. And so when you take Fernando Alonso and you take Lewis Hamilton and you take Max Verstappen and you put all three of them in the same exact car, what is the gap between all three of those drivers? Probably not a lot. Probably none. They're all fantastic. And so you need the best thing on your Formula One team to be the car, to be the organization in the car. Because the drivers, man, I'm telling you, you know, six or seven of the drivers on the grid are the best drivers in the world. They are. A couple of the other guys are just some of the richest kids in the world. But they're good. They can drive. It's driving. It's not fighting. It's not, It's not. you know, physically you don't have to be gifted. And so, yeah, I think that Alonzo, I think he gets it. I think that somebody like Leclerc should probably leave Ferrari, but he looks up to Ferrari. He like idolizes it and he doesn't understand that he's the most valuable commodity that they have, not their car. It needs to be the car. They still act like their car is the most valuable thing in Formula One. Ferrari does. They act like that any of those those drivers are replaceable. And it's like, yeah, they are. But you do realize that Leclerc is like more valuable than your car. He will go wherever else and sell tickets because he's handsome and he's fast. And he is one of the six best drivers in the world. Without a doubt, he is a, he's a demon at the wheel. And so I would leave. I'd be like, I'm going to fucking Red Bull. I don't care. You guys aren't making a car. And that all goes back to the Ferrari team kind of isolating themselves from the rest of the Formula One world. 
they don't you know they speak Italian in their building they don't they don't have people from out the outside coming in it's just not you're not going to have the best people in the world just from one place they're from all over and you got to recruit from all over it doesn't make any sense Ferrari's never going to make it again they'll never be at the top with that ideology so I'm super stoked. We'll get to see some racing again. This season's been kind of weird for me, but I, I, I'm watching. I'm in. Especially, it's gotten more interesting as Mercedes gotten faster, to be perfectly honest, because I just don't believe Ferrari's going to be able to put the screws to Red Bull as the season goes on. So I want some other team to challenge, and it seems like it's going to be Mercedes in the second half, which is going to be sweet. Hit the like. Hit the follow. I've been more active on my Instagram. Make sure you guys uh, follow it. Don't just message me on there. Follow me. It, it helps me out. I'm trying to make this uh, make this thing a thing. Tell your friends about the podcast. Share it with your buddies. Tell whoever that you think might like it. You know, I don't I don't do a lot of advertising. It's not my thing necessarily. I just I'm more of a talent on the mic. But uh, you guys, let me know what you think. You know, if you hate me, let me know and I'll read it out loud. Talk to you guys soon. Later.